You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Welcome to episode three of the Inclusive AF podcast. This is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Whatever day it is. I hope your day is going good and your week is going better. Absolutely. It's Sunday. Whoop, whoop. I don't know when this is actually going to like go like be I know, I was live, but it's Sunday today for us. Yeah. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk about influence. Yes. Influence. And an influencer, if you will. And allies. And allies. Okay. I like this. Because I like this I, a lot. That comes into play. And one of the things that's really interesting is that you hear when we used to talk about influence it was always like you know you would think about people who have influence in your life like your teachers or your parents Mm -hmm. and then now especially with social media the word influence has been bastardized (laughs) to mean something completely different absolutely so you mentioned that you don't don't consider yourself an influencer that and is. I want you to share why you feel that way. And then we're going to talk about why you're wrong. <laughs> Thanks. It's fun being It'll friends be with Katie. It's so much fun. To, this will be a great podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple things. One of the things is I never, I feel like influencers do things with that intention of being an influencer, right? Like mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, I have to do a show and talk about insert you know, VPN brand here right? with the intention of getting that audience. And I, I started doing this just to share information and, Mm -hmm. and the validation was just somebody else saying, Oh my gosh, that's cool. You know, like, look, look how, look what I found. Look, I can find candidates. I can do this. And so I never really, I think I never really sold a product, right? Mm -hmm. I've never really sold a product. But then people said, oh, they want to hear what you think about that product. Right. And I never see things like, I don't know if something flies off the shelf. Nothing has ever gone viral. Oh my gosh, iSims ran out of licenses today. Nobody, that's Because of Jackie Clayton. Because of Jackie Clayton. So I always feel like I don't influence anyone. I encourage, I support. So I always feel like I'm not an influencer. Okay. Are you ready for why you're wrong? (laughs) Sure, Katie. (laughs) Awesome. Um, yeah, no. So I, 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 my response to you was, yes, you are an influencer. And the, the example that I would share is it's something that I actually just heard yesterday from the amazing Trent Shelton, who, if you are not following him on social media, do it immediately. He is a former NFL uh, football player. He actually played for Baylor as well. So Jackie's hometown team. Say that again. What is that? Sick them bears. Bears. I see. Yeah, we sick them. All right. I, I don't I, sick them. So that's what's happening in Texas. And <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, Trent Shelton, he's amazing. Very, very, like just every word that he said when I was listening to him yesterday was so awesome and so heartfelt and so authentic. And obviously you guys have heard me say the word authentic about a thousand times already. And I'll continue to say it because I think it's so important, but he was talking about the fact that, you know, he was hosting a webinar, a talk, whatever it was, and he only had a hundred participants. And so he was kind of bummed out and feeling like, you know, oh, 
I'm not really reaching the amount of people that I would have wanted to, whatever it might be. And hundred might be wrong. It might've been like 10. I don't remember. Whatever the number was, it was not what he wanted. He wanted it to be a larger audience. And one of the participants kind of came to him afterwards and said, you know, I know you were disappointed in the numbers, but please know I was actually broadcasting that to my school of a thousand people and sharing that with a thousand additional Mm. people. And, and I think that's such an important thing to think about is that you have no idea how much your voice is going to extend. And I think another, you know, another example of this, and it's one that you and I just recently talked about is that book, and I'm going to forget the name of it, um, around like AI and tech, technology, technically wrong. Yes. Technically and wrong. Great. Technically book. wrong. Yeah. And, and, you know, I read that book probably two years ago, two and a half years ago. I can't even remember when. And I have shared that book with probably about six different people, maybe even more to say, if you are in diversity, equity, and inclusion work, you must read this book. If you are building technology for diversity and inclusion, you must read this book. And, and I think that's also like the influence that we don't realize we have is being able to write a book or share a topic or whatever it might be. And you just don't know who's on the receiving end of it. How many people are actually watching? That's right. You don't, and and it's hard to do the impact, right? Because Mm -hmm. there is what we call in this industry, we call it like diversity fatigue where you're just get tired because it's like, I've said this a million, why isn't anybody listening? And you don't realize that, that people really, some people are listening and you won't know some of that turnaround. And that's why I feel like allyship comes into play when somebody has influenced you in your life that may be underrepresented or people don't know who they are Mm -hmm. to be the one to, it might not be a formal allyship, but to make spaces for other people that like you share the book. That's like yes. being an ally for that person or right. you, you invite that person into with your friends and sharing that information is so important so mm-hmm. that we can be inclusionary and find other voices. Cause Katie, I mean, seriously, we do a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of connecting, right. but we could also just sit in a room for a week and be right. like, we would have had the answers to all the world's problems. <laughs> Solved it all. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> but it's like sitting by so- my pool <laughs> yeah, yeah. with a cocktail in hand. World's problems. We've figured it out. Yeah. All good. Two days max. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Two days. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the thing is too, is that because you do, people do get to the point where it's like, I don't, this is such a big issue. I don't mm-hmm. know if I can do anything. Right. Um, but it does, it's amazing how, so for example, I was working on a job and I had a sourcer that was working with me, a junior, um, sourcer who's been in the industry for like five minutes. And what was interesting, he never did anything within diversity. And then he was assigned to do my sourcing. And one day he just came to me because he was so frustrated that there were so many non-diverse people in this certain role and was just like, Mm -hmm. why is this happening? And he came to me from a place of genuine concern because he was able to see 
that there's not a lot of African-American females in supply chain. And he wanted to know why and where does supply chain come from and all of these different things. And we had to go all the way back to like the industrial revolution for him to understand (laughs) why this happened. Why does it work like that? Um, And so I was speaking to the CEO of the company and I said, Right now, today, you have like a junior sourcer, but you are going to have a great diversity recruiter on your hands if you keep nurturing this person. So it's influence to that guy. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think that's the, so that's in my mind, like the everyday allyship. That's the way I kind of categorize that is, you know, it's the, when no one's watching when you aren't on a stage, when you aren't on Twitter with however many followers you have, when you aren't you know, on a podcast, whatever it might be, how are you actually, what are, what actions are you taking to support people from underrepresented groups? What are you actually doing to make sure that other voices are heard? So this is one I actually heard recently that I, I have been trying very hard to be thoughtful about. Okay. And that is the Amazon review. So, you know, Two, three months ago, all of us bought every book possible on anti-racism and we were buying from black authors and we were buying from people that we hadn't heard from before from, you know, different BIPOC and sorry, BIPOC people, what BIPOC is (laughs) black indigenous people of color. Um, We were doing all of those things that were great. Absolutely. Financially support them. Yes. But then the second step to that was now go review. If you enjoyed it, go review them on Amazon so that they can move higher up the SEO ranks for Amazon. And, and that was something that I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I, I would not have thought of that. And I absolutely need to do it. And not that, you know, <laughs> not that anyone's listening to my reviews because I'm not an influencer on Amazon. Yes, they but, are. Yes, but yes, they, they are. are. Yeah. And, and, and that's the whole point is, you know, that kind of that next step that you need to take And it's one thing, it's the, you know, whole, the awareness piece and the learning piece that so many of us are going through right now, but it's then what, what do you do about it? And what are the, you know, this is where our influence matters. And that's, you know, and you've heard me say this before, you know, as a white woman, do I have the lived experience of people that I am, you know, focusing on and trying to support through the work that I do? No, I don't have the lived experience, but I can bring them along with me to say, Hey, listen to Jackie, listen to whomever that has this lived experience and it's great, but it's also the influence I have to get people in front of other folks and to say, maybe it's not me on this one. Maybe it is somebody else that has that lived experience and that is great. And I think that's something else that like from an influence perspective, we, you know, we talk about, you know, follow someone on social media that doesn't look like you, doesn't have the same beliefs that you do, things like that. And I think that's so important because you start to go, oh, wow, I'd never thought about it that way. Oh, oh, wow, this is something I didn't know. Or, oh, wow, this is a book I want to read or whatever. And as folks are sharing, that just the groundswell builds and you start to have different perspectives and learn different things. And you're not just on Facebook going, oh, wow, that everyone agrees with me on what I said. And so I must know what I'm talking about. No, you want people that are having those opposing views or having that different point of view and different lived experiences to say, have you thought about it this way? So I think that that influence of others is so important as well. You know, you brought something up that is, um, I want to share a story that I think was, is really interesting. Um, 
we are always learning and growing, always learning and, and growing and getting um, different experiences and sharing different things. And for you and I, you as a white woman and me as a black woman, there was something really interesting that I didn't realize happened until this past year, the last year or so, or was it two years ago? I don't know. I don't know. We were in New York City, whatever that was, October, two years ago, maybe. Um, you me? Was that last year? <laughs> no. <laughs> was, yes, was it was. Year? No, I think it was this year. Pretty sure. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it feels like 14 years ago. <laughs> it was like five months ago. Okay, sorry. This past year, we were in New York City. What were um, we doing, Jacqueline? We were at an event. And what were we oh, talking we about? We were presenting our diversity, <laughs> maturity, re- whatever. I'll get to it, Katie. Okay, it was the sorry. Diversity your pardon. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I can't even I'll say it. I'll just take a sip of water. Sorry. Okay, sorry. So maturity model, the diversity recruiting maturity model at higher comp to other human resource and recruiting practitioners. But during that time, I was speaking with um, a CEO of a company and as well as someone that I would consider an ally, mm-hmm. both white men. And they started having a conversation that went from being inclusionary versus being, um, it's the same thing, like I should be able to say whatever I want, it's my right to say whatever I want, to all of a sudden it broke left to you're anti-American because you're not supporting the laws of the United States for free speech which turned in, you're not white enough, you're not patriotic enough. It was like this whole side conversation. And I was like, I go, oh my God. I was like, almost started crying just because I was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, you've never had that conversation before. I was like, they don't usually, they don't usually let us in those conversations this is i don't want to be in that conversation this is a totally not black person conversation never in a million years the way that they were going i could never it had to be being white enough meant being american right i say that to say it was one person who i considered an ally like sticking up for the greater good. And then this other person, it didn't matter that I was upset by the language that was going in there. It was like, you shouldn't be upset because it's my right kind of thing, which was like a whole power struggle. And I was like frozen because I was like in shock. Mm -hmm. And then it took someone being of a different voice to have that influence on the same gender, same race person for them to understand what they were saying and the reason Mm -hmm. I brought that up is because you talk about as we're talking about influence there are times when we have to lean on each other or lean on your allies because there are times when I just don't know if what I'm gonna say is gonna get through and maybe Mm -hmm. it's somebody else and what I hear a lot in teaching organizations or um, with peers, they'll say, well, who wants to hear from a middle-aged white guy about diversity? And I always say, all your middle-aged white guy friends want to hear from a middle-aged white guy about diversity. That's where your influence is. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about how much influence. It's like, if you have the majority of the seats at the table, the only way we're going to change it is if middle-aged white guys 
share the information with other people. There is a, a need. Right. Right. And there are moments when I've been like, Katie, I need you to unravel this because this is what right. came out and I don't understand. Or when we have to talk to other groups, other underrepresented groups to make sure that we're saying the right things. It's important for people to know that we all get hung up and we're afraid of saying something wrong. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy, and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. The difference, I think, is that we'll say it and then ask if we're saying it wrong and then we'll fix it. We're not afraid to right. have difficult conversations. Um, but I just thought it was fascinating that so many middle-aged white men will say, no one wants to hear from me about diversity when they don't realize that is regardless of what's going on in the news or how we're managing it that still is where the power lies and where the influence lies power that that's actually what i you're that what you just said right there is spot on i think the power dynamic and the power struggle whatever it might be that we're i mean and and let's be clear 99 percent of the entire conversation around white supremacy and around power is driving so much of the angst and um, issues that we currently have in the United States. In my opinion, it's a power piece where the dominant group who has held the power for so long is losing some of that power and they're afraid. And so they're fighting it and we get that, but it's also the, God, how cool would it be if we had a, a sharing of power and how amazing, like if you think about the United States and think about the fact that, you know, we're the melting pot and all of these wonderful things where all these different people and countries have come here, moved here, and it's the American dream and all those things. I, I like to call it the toss salad, but as you were. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Um <laughs> So that, yeah, I mean, I think it is like the, what we could give and what we could get from actually like sharing power and, and, and giving people who haven't had power in the past power. I think that changes the entire dynamic in a great way, but people are afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of change. They're afraid of all of these things. And to your point, you know, you do have that Eurocentric idea of the way things should be that white is right. Yes. And, and that is such an unfortunate thing that like, that's what we've read in the United States from day one and, and it's wrong. And so like, how do we think about it differently and how do we, sure, you can say whatever you want to say because of the constitution. Sure. You bet. Free speech all day long. Great. But is what you're saying actually helping or hurting? And, and to your point, like from a power perspective, you shouldn't have to be the one every time to say something. And I know so many people who are in 
who are that marginalized person or are from that underrepresented group or, or are the only that you're like, oh my God, do I always have to be the one? Do I always have to be the one that raises my hand or there is the, you know, it's that whole angry black woman or yes. whatever, or, you know, spicy Latina or whatever you want to call it, like all of these different things. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be, I, as a white woman, fighting for and speaking up and saying things that aren't right, period. Like, right. done. Sentence is done. Not, I'm doing this because I think I want to get, you know, because I get something out of it or anything like that. It's, this is the right thing to do. And this is what we should be driving in this country. I, I agree with that you. that made any sense. I just kind of- A little to... bit. I liked it. Okay. I was there. But I'm about to say something that's about to blow your mind. And we Let's have to add this link. Girl, girl. There is a video that's called Music Theory and White Supremacy. Okay. So if you've ever, so people who don't know, and this is like, I don't, this is, I don't even know if this podcast will ever get made. So I was a classical violinist. My son plays the cello. My daughter plays electric acoustic guitar, the banjo. Um, Todd doesn't play anything, but he's fun. So. (laughs) We came around anyhow. (laughs) So. The what they were talking about is they teach music theory, and that's when you mm-hmm. learn about the notes and the rests and what is supposed to be there. But all of the basis of music theory is based on four like German, European people from the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Like, and so they were saying that there's no other music considered in music theory, like. Indian music, African music, different percussion. None of it has any place, zero, none in music theory to the point where there has been articles that because you have to have like rhythm and meter and all of these things based on music theory to be a song, Mm -hmm. that hip hop isn't music based on it. What you do, you hurt yourself. (laughs) I know you weren't in shock because hip hop wasn't music. That was too much of a response. Olive just scratched (laughs) I'm being attacked by my cat. (laughs) But actually, yes, I am exclaiming because holy moly. Right, right. And it started this guy. So then we found out all of this. The person who wrote about this saying this does not include other music was from like 1840. It was like written down like This music theory is 18th century European German music only and should not be considered something like that, blah, blah, blah. I'll put the link. And it's like, it was written in like 1884 that they should no longer teach music theory like this. And yet they still do. They still do. And he was saying, look at how this works. There was an Indian woman teaching Indian music theory. And what it was talking about is what we call it in Indian music theory and what we call it in traditional 18th century European (laughs) music history and how you can teach the different styles. And because of the way that we're taught, other types of music are not allowed to exist. So when I listened to it, and it's like 40, I mean, it's a long one. So as I'm listening to this, I started thinking about diversity and music. First of all, it's like, Think if you were just had a drum, like you were just beating the drum and you had nothing else to add, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, it should be a symphony. And I said, gosh, that is the cheesiest thing. 
but it's the truth of why diversity is so important. All mm -hmm. of the different things and pieces that we can add once you learn about different sounds or you learn about different cultures. And I just felt sad for all those people that are stuck, unable mm -hmm. to open themselves up to different foods and different cultures and different dances. And, and that was the other thing. There's another theory that if you can't dance to it, it's not music. <laughs> it was just like this whole thing. It'll blow your mind. We talked about broken the last I know. episode. I was so trying not to bring hey. up broke again. That's yeah, nice. maybe. <laughs> Is it on my like podcast bingo card? That's kind of amazing. <laughs> but I just find it fascinating. And it's the influence of white supremacy mm -hmm. that has been there hundreds hundreds thousands of years right when you think about it it makes you so angry and this is what everybody in college today they're learning today they call that it music thing. theory period and it's right. not music theory how fascinating so i we are fortunate here in phoenix that we have the musical instrument museum and i forget the you know it's like every country but two are represented or something like that. I mean, they have a bazillion instruments. And so each little vignette, you get to hear a different instrument being played. You wear, you know, a little headset thing. And, and it is fascinating because to your point, like if you're thinking about just that 1800s, you know, that framework, or if you're working from that, did you say 1800s or 18th century? It's 18th century. Thank you. Sorry. 18th century. And like thinking about that, like how does that actually limit us? And, and it goes to like, again, going back to the United States and kind of the diversity thing. And of course she's now playing with the toys. I hear it. I hear it. it. <laughs> so Olive's here, everybody. Hi, Olive. Um, but, uh, by the way, when they don't yes. teach music that it developed in the United States in music theory, it doesn't count. That includes jazz. That includes some of the country, all of those things. They don't really exist in as a form of music. And how, like, that just makes me sad. And and, it, and it's not a, oh, I like this certain type of music or that certain type of music. And so to not have that is a bummer. It's more the, if you're not being taught those things or don't acknowledge right. it as as existing. Yes. What are you losing out That's on? That's right. And they were saying, everybody says music is a universal language. It's not. Right. It is 18th century European <laughs> German backed music is that there, it isn't a universal language. That is, that's a bummer. What was the podcast called or what was the. I'm going to find it. His, okay. Um, but his name, um, but the. Uh, you look it up. I'm going to keep going on one other point. So. Um, the other thing that like this brings me back to is, you know, kind of, again, bring it back to the U S as you think about like the structures and all of the things that we have built in the United States. And this goes back, you know, I mean, we can dig in deep on legislature and all of the historical things that we have done to keep marginalized groups marginalized. And, you know, and how do we actually think about that in terms of changing it? And, you know, all of these things that are coming up now where people are talking about, defunding the police, when people are talking about changing legislature to actually support or to eliminate legislature that has kept people down. And, you know, the, the example I think is the most stark that so many people know is, you know, when crack cocaine came out and cocaine, you know, when, when people were getting arrested for possessing cocaine versus crack cocaine, mm -hmm. how that, how that dynamic worked from a 
what they got sentenced and um, you know, or the sentences that they received. And of course, cocaine was known as a white man's drug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had all of Wall Street basically doing cocaine. And then crack cocaine was considered a... Wait, did you just say all of Wall Street? Like, is that fair, oh, really? I'm sorry. <laughs> was I stereotyping or well, making it a is inclusive, I guess. All not, of not inclusive. <laughs> I was being inclusive of all of Wall Street. Okay. Um, no. Okay. It, Fair. I understand. No, I, I, understand. I, I should not have said that. That's no, not appropriate. Like, but <laughs> all? That's a lot. Every, every last one of them. Um, <laughs> no. So you had so many people using cocaine, but predominantly white, white yes. male. And you had crack cocaine, which was predominantly black and brown people. Yeah. And the sentences for crack cocaine were so much worse and were so much tougher. And that was like, Again and again, we created legislation to make that true. And then we privatized prisons and, you know, we can go into that in another episode, but going back to like, how do we think about this from an ally perspective and how do we think about this from an influencer perspective? It's talking about those things yes. and making people aware. And like, I think a lot of times, so I mean, you and I've talked about the movie 13th and even just watching that. And I've now like told every single person, like, if you have not seen that movie, you need to go watch it immediately. Yes. Because the fact that I don't think it's not a, it's not a partisan issue. You see folks from both sides of the aisle, you know, making this true. And in 13th, I think was just a really great way to kind of create awareness and open people's eyes. Oh, it was a smack in the face. Yeah. Like this isn't just a, Oh, Hey, um, no, no, no. Everyone's equal. Everyone has equal footing. Everyone it's all, we're all coming from the same place. And if you don't acknowledge or don't want to acknowledge that white privilege exists, that movie absolutely is to your point. It's yes. a slap in the face of, yeah, actually this is a thing. And yes, actually historically we've done a really great job of keeping marginalized people marginalized. <laughs> and this, and that's, that's not something to be proud of. Not, no, it's not. And, and so I found it. This is, it's Adam Neely. And talk about influence. He's got 1.15 million subscribers. And the um, episode is called Music Theory and White Supremacy. And okay. he says, <laughs> music theory is kind of racist. And I don't know why that made me laugh because he's like, uh... Yeah, it's kind of racist. Just to be clear. And when you listen to it, he talks about the white racial frame of music theory, mm-hmm. um, different perspectives. And, and, and he goes into how music isn't, isn't universal and it doesn't have women's voices and it doesn't right. have all of these different groups. And I just, on the one side, it can be overwhelming to think how far we've come so far, but we have so much to go. But on the other one, it's so exciting as a person who's in this work to think of another way of connecting people. Yeah. Because I think that, um, you know, but, and also an example of him using his influence Mm -hmm. because he's not a politician. He doesn't talk about those types of things. He's a, um, a former jazz musician and he's totally into music theory that's what he talks about um and so for him to bring people on um and he brought people from diverse backgrounds to come and have it and talk and called people out 
straight. Right. And that's the other part. Sometimes you just have to. Right. Absolutely. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I think that is so, I mean, we've, we've come to a place in time that I think people are afraid to call others out because they don't know what the reaction will be. And because we are in this place, and I will say it is politically, and I will say there's at least one person that's heavily influenced the way that people are interacting with each other differently than they were maybe, I don't know, four years ago, um, that the unfortunate piece is that it's become so uncivilized and there's no having a conversation about like, okay, how should we handle this? Or, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me versus no F you, you're wrong. Right. You know, and I think that's the reaction that so many people are taking and, and that's not okay. Um, I do want to switch gears for just a moment. Okay. Um, and I want to talk about just the, the fact that when we talk about, you know, a lot of the things we talk about are awareness. A lot of things we talk about are sharing. And once you know, you, you can't like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you're aware, you're, you can't not be aware. Um, and I think one of the things that stuck out for me in the debate last week, which we all, I'm, you know, sorry to say we're all exposed to in one way or another. Um, I, I don't even want to get into the specifics of like what was said, unless you want to go there. But for me, I think the piece that was, you know, SNL just did a skit, of course, last night about it and they're making fun of it, but there was also this actually, no, you can't even like make a parody of the complete chaotic situation that occurred last week. And like what a disservice to every human in the United States and in what an embarrassment to every person, like just absolutely vile and disgusting. And and here's the thing, I'm going to say this. And I think most of you know, my political stance on things, but both sides interrupted each other, both sides didn't act respectfully. The moderator didn't act respectfully at times. And like, what a, I'm going to say the word shit show. And, you know, and it's also the, if we aren't calling each other out on the situation that occurred on Tuesday, meaning if you have friends that have beliefs about who they're going to vote for, have beliefs about where the U S is going, that was such a stark example to go if nothing else, please look at this. Yeah. And, and please understand what occurred and there's no more sugarcoating. There's no more, Oh, well, that's not what they meant. That's not what he meant. That's not, you know, all of these things. No, no, you in your face were told what people's beliefs were right. Pure and simple. Yeah. And, and, and as an ally, as someone that is, you know, focused on this work, I've now had multiple conversations with people that are, that feel differently than I do from a uh, political perspective. And yes, listening to their side, listening to their response, I think is totally what we all should be doing is listening to each other. But at some point, it's also the, as an ally, if I'm not saying you're wrong and this is not okay and this cannot continue then I'm not actually an ally. I'm not actually doing the work that I need That's to do. That's the scariest part. Mm-hmm. That came out of it where you just felt, 
the other thing that we both talk about in this space is of creating safe spaces Mm -hmm. and you just don't feel safe. No, no. Like in general. Right. Now, granted, I, I, it was only a matter of time. We were like, oh yeah, there's Joe. (laughs) Like he was vice president for eight years. Um, There was a meme that was very funny and, and Obama over his head, it says when they go, low we go high and then it says I told him to shut up (laughs) and I just (laughs) was like oh yeah you know but when you're looking at the situation where it's like you're it's beyond not listening you're being argumentative you're making things up you're not paying attention and and I and when asked if you basically this is paraphrasing I I know what they said this is what I heard are you willing to stand up for people that are being marginalized and his answer was no right (laughs) are you willing to say today yeah that you will stand with folks that are marginalized right no no and, and I think there was one, and I have it somewhere on my phone, and it's basically like a, a meme or a, hey, you know, this is the interpretation of, and it was about cookies. And, you know, and it was the whole question that was asked around, you know, do you, will you renounce these people? So the, it's, this is from at Brewing Ale on Twitter. Do you hate cookies? Sure. Then say I hate cookies. I'm prepared to, but the vegetables are all also very hateful. Say I hate cookies, like chocolate chip, oatmeal, chocolate chip. Sure, cookies are something. Get the milk, but the carrots. <laughs> and and it's that's like the perfect analogy for right. it. Because it was like, I'm sorry, what? What is happening? <laughs> what is happening that you literally can't say? Like that was a complete softball. Right. Absolutely. But I also, like what I said to my friends is that we, he can't say that because he will lose a large group of voters that have said, yeah, he is a racist and we like it. And that's, and that's that's what's so scary about that and why it's going to be very important that everybody does understand that you do have a circle of influence. You have a circle of influence whether you think you're being heard or not, you people do watch and they do pay attention mm-hmm. regardless of how the outcome is. Right. People are going to be very skeptical and hesitant on how we move forward past the next election, regardless, mm-hmm. regardless. And so we're not talking about one holding one over the other but you have to talk about things that are unfair and unjust right and it's going to be you know potentially a very difficult day for various groups that are going to need a hug and someone to speak for them Mm -hmm. they feel alone and I think that's what happens when it's the most difficult moments is having somebody who can listen to you and feel like they have a supportive friend um, and being an ally for whatever, what, regardless. Right. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. 
you will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Right. And I think um, I'm going to go there if you're ready. Yeah, you can um, go there. So, you know, I, I know that something occurred a few months ago. Actually, it's been a few months. It's been a few weeks, whatever it's been. Don't ask me. I was at trying to go to October and I couldn't remember right. when that was. So at your home in Texas, in Waco, Texas, your neighbor put up a flag. Yes, a Confederate and flag. A Confederate flag. And, you know, you went live on Facebook to share your thoughts. And I, I would, I, I, I'm not going to tell the story. I would love for you to tell the story. Sure. But if you, if you're comfortable and if you're not, then we'll get you a box of Kleenex. Yes, thank um, you. No, I'm good. I think I'm good. Um, because that is a, I, I did, a lot of stuff came out of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, what happened is part of it is Todd had just built me a standing desk outside. And so what was going on is my neighbor put up a Confederate flag, but it wasn't a flag. It was like a wooden permanent piece of art or something. We'll call it that. And they had been building art. I couldn't see anything like it all faced in towards the house, except for right eye line, straight line was this Confederate flag. Now I was very triggered, very triggered. Like, scared shaking like there is some trauma that's happened in my life that I may not share that part but there is some trauma that affected me in my life and I just wanted it down and so Todd my husband Todd had went over there to have the conversation with them and um so people were asking me because I was so shocked. Like I just didn't know what to do. And I had posted it on Facebook. So a lot of people were engaged in this conversation in Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, And Todd came back and they weren't going to take the flag down. I was about to move. Like I was about to go get in a hotel. I needed to leave. I felt unsafe. I felt unsafe Mm -hmm. for my kids. Um, They, you know, used to like have friends outside and be outside in their backyard, which our backyards faced each other. Um, and I was scared, to, literally scared to death. And um, so I went on Facebook Live, honestly and truly, only so I wouldn't have to tell the story to my 25 closest friends that were going to ask me about it. Right. And I haven't even checked. I think at one point it was like at like, I don't know, 3000 views. I'm sure there was a lot. People shared it with their classes and their mm-hmm. friends and their families. I, Waco is not that big of a place. I was getting stopped at the grocery store that they saw it. People, it changed people's minds that they understood about like not seeing color. And the end of it, what I was trying to impart to people is that it's not about just the flag it's about Mm -hmm. i'm a human and this hurts me right and you should if you care about me as a person you would take it down just because it hurt me not because it's your pride it's because it hurts it hurts me right and and that's how i address those issues my husband did not go down over there and i asked him specifically 
I don't want them to take the flag down. I want to see, want them to know that it hurts my feelings and see right. if it takes it down because that's how we know where somebody stands. Absolutely. Right? And I'm, I'm going to point out one piece because I, this, I think this is important for the audience to know. Todd is white. I thought everybody knew. <laughs> You're right. My husband's white. Yes. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I point that out just because the fact that, again, this is kind of that allyship in action. And, you know, as the husband of a black woman, I know you guys have faced different challenges throughout your relationship oh. because of that fact. But this is a great example of, had you gone over there and A, I know that you were extremely emotional about it because it was trauma. It, it, you were experiencing trauma yeah. and it was live in your face, you know, across the, the yard. And to have Todd go have that conversation versus you having to have it, I know was so it was important to you and it did matter to you because it wasn't you going and having to take care of it because you have that conversation on the daily of, you know, flag or no flag. There's something that you're having to. Oh, sure. And he was there for hours. P.S. He was there for hours and I was already terrified for my life. And I didn't know if he was going to be hurt or killed or insulted. I didn't know what was going to happen. We don't, we're not, we were, we were, you know, like pass a couple of sugar over the fence type of neighbors, right. not, not on my Christmas card list, but I would definitely give them some eggs. You know, they need right. to borrow some eggs. Right. Um, and we kind of, we've had a beer together or whatever. Um, and so there's always that piece where I didn't, I didn't, I hoped that they weren't completely racist, but I didn't know. Right. I didn't know, but I needed that to be gone. Right. Um, and, 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 and it was an act of terror. Yeah. Fully. And, and there is that you don't know what's behind it. Is it just you're ignorant and don't know that this is not okay? Or and I can't even give that excuse because it's the 21st century. And if you don't know that the Confederate flag is not okay, then that's a whole nother thing this podcast we, isn't going to help you. <laughs> yeah. I don't have time for that. Like right now, but, um, I, I think that was the other piece too, is that like, yeah, like you said, you know, Todd's over there. I have no idea what's happening. Is he hurt? Like, did they go, you know, screw this yeah. and, you know, physically assault him? Who knows? Who knows? Right. And if he's gone hours and hours, you're like, Oh wow. This could be very, very bad. And just to let everybody know, in case they're wondering, they did take it down. Mm-hmm. Hours later, they did take it down. Yeah. And again, like I said, we didn't ask them to take it down. We let them know that it hurt and we it would be a preference. Like we understand everybody's individual. Because you can't go in somebody's yard and say, take that down. You know, it's like you, it's well within their right. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier too. Like there's things that people just try to act like, well, it's my right to do this or whatever. It's like, you're hurting people. Right. Absolutely. And if you know you're hurting people, then why would you do that? If you knew you were hurting people for your own freedom, what, just give me a break. And that's the one that I always, that I get, I get trust, you know, so triggered by is when I'm talking to people and they're like, Oh, well that joke, I was just trying to be silly. And you're like, but you're hurting humans, like another human. And what you're saying is 
hurtful. It's not funny. It's not okay. It's not, oh, I'm being silly or this is just who I am or, oh, that's just Bob and that's how Bob is. No offense to any Bobs out there. I'm sure you're all lovely. (laughs) But like, that's the part that always like gets to me is also the, at what point is a joke that belittles or hurts other people funny? And, you know, I know we have, you know, comedians that, that that's what they thrive on. And I never find them funny because it is like the, why is this okay? And why is hurting someone what you look at as funny? Right. It just, I always say, how did you, how did you see this going? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So anyhow, like, I think I thank you. First of all, thank you for sharing. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that story. Cause I think it's important for people to know that in 2020, yeah, this, this is still happening. And it really happens. And I, I think so many folks go, Oh, that doesn't happen to me or that doesn't happen in my city or that. Does, and yes, it is. It's happening everywhere. And that's the part I think that is so scary is that it's the, people are letting their racism show because they think it's okay right now. And no, it's not. And, and, and there is a piece of like, Oh, I'd rather know that they are than not. But there's also the, no, go, go crawl back in your hole yeah, and go away. Cause it's not okay. And this is not acceptable. But um, what is one last thing that you would like to talk about or one last thing that you would like to share or something that you share within this, podcast that you think is critical in regards to allyship or allies and I think well one of it is that um if you are an ally the difference between being an ally and just a friend a protective friend is that you are going to you're going to research you're going to do your part to find Mm -hmm. these things and educate yourself Right. Um, it's not like some relationship. Let's say I'm your ally. So tell me everything about what it's like to be black. Tell me what it's like. You know, it's not like that. Um, that you have to do your work, but also mm-hmm. you're willing to step up for that person, even when it's not fun and not okay. Right. Right. And, um, and it's not standing up for them and being their voice. It's standing beside them or right, right. behind them, you know, standing at their shoulder. It's your voice. Yeah. It's, and that's where the influence is because it's your voice. Mm-hmm. It's not, don't be mean to Jackie. It's, this is what the this way is it is. This is not okay. And mm-hmm. yeah, this is not okay. Right. Um, so I think that's important. And then in speaking to back to the influence is understand that you have influence. And when I told that story on Facebook, I did not, I was not, all I was trying to do was let people know that Todd didn't get beat up. That's all <laughs> I was trying to do. Todd is okay, I everybody. I cried and was emotional and I don't know. I didn't think anybody was going to watch it because it was like mm-hmm. an hour or something. Mm-hmm. Well, they did. Um, and so I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't even think about, like that influenced a lot of people and you don't right. realize how much influence that you have, but as much as opportunity as you have to speak your truth and Mm -hmm. be able to help guide people and examples of how you are navigating all this crazy chaos, um, when you feel comfortable to share, um, because 
sometimes you're the only voice that somebody could hear. Yes, agreed. And I think, you know, from, you know, on both these topics, I, um, I know that you're not supposed to label yourself as an ally. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's what action are you actually taking to be an ally? So it's no longer okay just to, you know, I, one of our, you know, one of the folks that we admire and listen to quite a bit is Karen Catlin, who wrote Better Allies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and she commented a few weeks ago that someone had actually put on their LinkedIn profile that they were an ally, like that was part of their title or whatever. And like, that just seemed odd. And it is odd, like to say, oh, I'm an ally. And, and I will say, you know, I am a, I, I am someone who will stand at your shoulder. I am someone that will speak up for you. I am someone that will find the, the platform for you to speak for yourself. And, and that's kind of the way I look at it. And so none of us is a perfect ally, but the actions that you take are what actually matters. And from a, you know, from an influencer perspective, you never know who's listening and how impactful that can be. And so, you know, that can be anything from the, hey, I'm at a, a party and someone tells a joke that is not okay. Someone, you know, says something that is demeaning to another group of individuals. Um, that's when allyship and that's when influence matters. And not to pick a fight, but just say, you know, hey, what do you mean by that? Like, I don't get the joke. Right. And like kind of letting them know and not in a defensive or in a attacking way, but just pausing and like forcing them to pause as well. Like, why would you say that? Like, that's not okay. Um, so, yeah. So I want to ask you, cause we just shared some, you know, kind of a, a deep, deep thoughts by Jackie Clayton. <laughs> um, what was one thing this week? that was amazing so i started a new job this week um and Woo! that was really amazing <laughs> <laughs> lord um that was pretty amazing but i think one thing was that was amazing was i listened to a podcast on diversity advocates that we were talking about from the mm-hmm. core center and i just felt really really blessed and excited to have a resource of tools um this particular one uh i i was about the law and diversity recruiting and it is the best thing everybody on the planet should listen to that but that <laughs> was really great and I had tacos this week. Oh, that is yeah, always like, like street tacos. I love that. I was like, tacos. oh yeah, those other two are great, but tacos. <laughs> yeah. And tacos <laughs> and tacos. Mostly that it's lunchtime. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What about um, you? What's something great that happened this week? I signed a new client and which was awesome. Like, so the nonprofit space has definitely opened up their eyes to oh. how, how important this is. And, and you would think nonprofits of all groups would be more socially aware, but it's the, oh, we do all this stuff for everyone else, but we haven't thought about it for ourselves. Yeah. And so sign a new client, which is awesome. And um, I don't know if I'm, I, well, I guess I can't share this. Um, found out that one of my nephews is having another baby. <gasps> so yeah. Um, Aww. Don't you so have like wife, 13? You're like, I don't know if I can say this. Out of the 20 million nephews? 
Um, I have 17, <laughs> soon to be 18. Um, so yeah, that is kind of cool too. So, and another one of them just learned how to roll over. So yeah, we got, we got babies galore. I have nieces and nephews that are, you know, newborn to 30-ish. So love that. Yeah. I love it. See, I'm glad. We should probably yes. do this on every podcast to share what's good because we talk about some deep stuff. Right. Absolutely. So uh, to wrap it up, thank you so much for listening and for joining us. And if you liked what you heard, please do sign up um, and follow us on YouTube and um, subscribe to listen and, and to get updates as they come out. But we will put the resources that we talked about in our show notes. And thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for stopping by. And um, we'll get together again soon. Absolutely. Bye-bye. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.